If you've ever struggled the daily grind of making and keeping track of work orders, you have to check out EasyBeasy. EasyBeasy is easy to use, easy to learn, affordable work order and time clock app with unlimited users included with every subscription. Make and edit work orders anytime, anywhere you're working, at your desk, in your truck, on the job site, even on your couch. With EasyBeasy, you can easily copy work orders to use over and over, which is great for mowing and plowing. You can also keep track of employee timesheets, contact your customers, add notes, instructions, even pictures of your jobs. EasyBeasy works on Android and Apple devices or any tablet or computer. EasyBeasy also has a wide variety of reports so you can have all the info you need for billing right from your phone. Say goodbye to paying for extra users because everyone gets unlimited users on EasyBeasy. Try EasyBeasy for free for 30 days. Visit easybeasy.app forward slash MDL to sign up. EasyBeasy is a simple work order and time clock app for mo crews, hardscape crews, and everything in between. Start saving time and money with EasyBeasy. Visit easybeasy.app forward slash MDL to sign up today. We want to take a quick second to tell you about our friends over at Cycle CPA. I can't even express to you how important it is to have a good accountant on your side. You know you want accurate bookkeeping and financial statements every month. Instead, you're often left with limited time to focus on the accounting side of your business and no reports to show for it. At Cycle CPA, the landscaping accountants, they not only handle the bookkeeping, but also provide landscape industry benchmarking, job costing, financials by service line, advisory meetings, and much more. Cycle CPA has a team of landscaping accountants available to provide anything from bookkeeping to CFO services. Visit CycleCPA.com and for $100 off, mention the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper podcast. Today, I'm very excited. Our guest is a real game changer, and he is the owner of Amarillo Land Services, a company that is redefining success in our industry. On top of that, he is an active member of the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association, helping to shape the future of landscaping in the Lone Star State. That's not all. This guy's not all about the plants. He's not all about the profits. He's a proud member of the United States Navy and a rock solid family man, or man, I should say. And so without further ado, let's welcome our friend Remington Holt. Thank you. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, I'm excited. So Remington, uh, before we get started, can you share a little bit about yourself, your story, how you got started and everything in the in the landscape industry? Yeah, so I uh, was in the Navy for five years, came back home. My parents are entrepreneurs and I tried a few things, didn't like it. So with my military background here in Amarillo's Bell Helicopter, worked there for eight years as a quality assurance specialist. So during that time, they started doing layoffs. And so I you know, I had a kid and talking to my wife, I thought we need to have something we could fall back on just in case, you know. So we started mowing, hated that, <laughs> hated mowing. <laughs> we were doing fencing. That was okay. It was just me and her. So I would get off work at six o'clock and then we'd go mow a few yards or fence on the weekend. So talked to another irrigator here locally and I said, what can I do? You know, that's just me that I don't have to rely on any labor because that's what my dad, the entrepreneur, he's been in business for 30 years. is like, whatever you do, don't do something that you need labor. So the guy told me, you need to do irrigation repair. So I looked into that, got my technician license first and just toyed around with it, worked on some of his jobs in the evenings, found out I liked it. Then we uh, found out we were having twins. And when that sonogram happened, I turned to my wife and I go, hey, can I quit? Bell, you know, and it's 80,000 a year. It's medical. Great job. And she's like, I, yeah, I guess she's pretty supportive. <laughs> and so I quit. I didn't have my irrigation license. And so in Texas, a tech has to work for an irrigator. So it was vital. I had taken the class, but I, I wasn't licensed at that time. So it was vital that I got that. So we drove to San Antonio and she had note cards. And for eight hours driving to San Antonio, she drilled me. And then the next day took my test, passed. And uh, so that's how I got into irrigation. So I was, I'm a total YouTube learned. <laughs> like that's, a, I would, I would YouTube how to do stuff. And uh, I was probably pretty terrible first year, but that's how I was taught. That's awesome. It's awesome. Your wife was very supportive once you quit that, that job there at Bell. Yeah, she, uh, I think there's probably some days she regrets it. We went for, <laughs> I don't know, four years, 
without a check. I didn't pay myself. Now, clearly I was paying for my truck and had a cell phone, but I was not pulling a check from the company. And I don't know, four or five years into it, she goes, it's time you, you got to pay yourself. So <laughs> <laughs> it has to be worth it. <laughs> yeah. So what other services do you guys provide there in Amarillo? So, uh, you know, we're probably 80% sprinkler repair. It's our bread and butter. And then we do landscape lighting. We really like that. It's not uh, in the market really yet. So we're trying to grow that market. So that's been pretty difficult. And then um, we're a certified aquascape contractor. Also, there's I think there's 500 water features per the MLS in Amarillo. So it's not a thing here. And so trying to grow that market, it's nothing that we push hard. But when we go in, the cool thing about lighting and aquascape, those two deals is they kind of, it's the same client. It's so that um, psychographic is, is the same person. So if we're putting in a water feature, I'm pushing hard on, you know, it'd be foolish to just light this water feature and then everything's dark around it. Let's light this backyard. And then while we're lighting the backyard, it'd be crazy not to light the front yard. And then... <laughs> You know, and then with lighting, there's a lot of just ranch style homes here. So there's sometimes just not a lot to light Gotcha. for our architecture. So we'll light the trees and I'll go, you know, hey, just a, a little fountain here would be so cool. We could light it, light the water. It'll move on the house. And so we try to incorporate both of those together. Can you share a little bit, too, about, you know, the area that you work in? Is it a growing community? Is it older community, newer community? So it's a old community, old money, and uh, we're 200,000 plus maybe. And so it's hard because just south of us is Lubbock, and they have a lot of young money. Texas Tech University is there. So it, it feels like in that market, money flows a little bit easier than this older family money that's here. So trying to capture some of that is is pretty difficult and and just changing what people are used to here. You know, lighting's new, the water features are new. So sometimes that's, you know, it feels like I'm up against a wall just trying to change what people are used to in landscaping. And so are you having to travel around to those other towns and cities to to get work or kind of stay local to your Amarillo? So the problem currently is probably labor. So I don't market real hard outside of this area. We'll travel 45 miles. But we're so busy with irrigation repair, it just doesn't make sense to travel outside of this market. You know, it's always a battle. I'm always fearful when I send a truck out, what's my risk? You know, are they going to have the parts on the truck? So those kind of things versus if we did lighting outside of our market, you know, I would be okay with that. But we're so inundated with irrigation repair that it's hard to leave. And we're in a very rural area. I mean, so Lubbock's the next biggest city and it's an hour and 45 minutes from us and it's small towns. So these small towns and small communities will have irrigation repair and they call and I go, you know, it could be a month before I come down there. And so there's some frustration with that. And so I think our area is unique for that. And I've always wanted to have a staff big enough to manage the rural communities because I think it's a great market, but it's hard. Sure. Currently, how many employees do you have? So currently we have three employees. My wife's in the office and then I have two technicians. We have three irrigation trucks. So we just lost a technician a month ago and haven't filled that gap. We were talking a little bit before the show that it's been a little bit of a battle for you to try to find new employees. Yep. And like we were talking about, it's hard. My staffing humbles me because I feel like, you know, we're offering great pay. Probably my lowest guys at the 50-ish range and then my leads in the 65-ish range. And they have an opportunity for health care. They have a Roth that we put $200 in every month. They have paid vacation. And I feel like we have all of our values in place and we're standardized and we have procedures. And then nobody comes in the door for a job. And you're like, I feel like, man, I have this great place to work, but the proof's in the pudding and, and no one's coming in. So looking into that on how do I become more innovative to get staff in the door? Good staff, you know, because my guys, I don't need a shovel guy. I'm not looking for a $15 an hour guy. I need the 25 to 30 because they're my staff. They all have their own truck and they're out and either the office or themselves are scheduling themselves. So it's very self-paced and I'm relying on them to be doing what they're supposed to do. So, yeah. So you mind me asking, and we didn't really talk about this, but 
How are you currently trying to get those new employees? What are you doing right now? Well, so we put a little bit out on Facebook and talking around, you know, at the supply house, I mentioned to all the counter people at the supply house, like, Hey, I'm looking, if you hear somebody disgruntled or anything like that, I've started to look into plumbing companies. There's a big irrigator down in South Texas, Seager Water, and they've brought a bunch of plumbers on for like backflow and that kind of thing. And they've really had some amazing growth. So kind of looking at what they're doing and then also looking at maybe trying to acquire small companies that maybe a technician jumped out thinking he wanted to be an entrepreneur and realized there's a ton of headaches and it's not as fun as it seems like. So trying to, you know, find small companies, I don't need the assets or anything like that, but just trying to wrap my head around innovative ways to bring in quality staff. Frustrated on bringing green folks in right now, like we'll spend four months, get them licensed, and then they leave. So that's also been a frustration, you know. Do you ask those people that do leave, what's the reason? Um, So I think a lot of it is, so we had a girl in here that was supposed to do ponds and we made it clear that, you know, the irrigation comes first here. We're 80% irrigation. I'm wanting to grow the pond deal, but for anybody that works for some company, if you're in a small company, you're going to get asked to do things that might be out of your wheelhouse a little bit. So we lost her because she was not going to do irrigation. And that was really frustrating because we thought, I mean, we invested pretty heavy into her and then brought in another pond guy. And I was super clear, you know, like, hey, you are irrigation first. I'm training you irrigation. We eventually want to grow this pond division. But what pays the bills around here is irrigation. And he was young and felt like he really understood that. He ended up hating irrigation. and He didn't communicate that. We didn't realize it. It was unfortunate. He just didn't have the values that we had in place and uh, wasn't doing the right things once he was out on his own. He was great when he was riding in a truck with my crew lead. And when we put him in his own truck after four months of training, sending him to the irrigation school for his tech license, it just fell apart. So I don't know if this came from you, but all of this, any of your problems is your fault, I feel like, as the owner. And I try to approach these problems that way. I did something wrong. So what policies and procedures can I put in place to rectify these failures? And so I think that that's helped a lot in the last year too, is every frustration that, you know, even though initially it feels like that guy sucks, (laughs) you know, I'm like, no, this is me. What did I do? How do I change this? This is my company, my problem. So. Well, I think that that's definitely the right mindset to have. And yeah, there, there are going to be people that just, aren't going to cut it. But yeah, that's that's a great point is looking at yourself and say, where are the gaps? What can I do different on this next person? Having that mindset is is critical. So I I applaud you for that. I know a little bit before we hopped on, we were sharing some stories of of possibly having your team members do little video clips and, and talk about why they like working there, you know, sharing a little bit about the culture. You know, we talked about even doing like company breakfasts or, you know, where you go out and you actually you're cooking for the the team members and thank them for being there. And then you're putting that on social media and establishing that, you know, you take care of your team and putting that out there as much as possible. And and there's just a bunch of different things that little things that I think we can do in our business to kind of promote ourselves and promote our business. And I've mentioned this before that we need to be marketing to the community everywhere that, you know, we're hiring, that we're looking to improve and, and do things different, similar to what we do to get new clients. So we just have to be out there and everywhere and anywhere putting it you know, all that out there. So you're on your right track. It's just a different market. I know I shared a little story with, with Remington before we hopped on. The other day I was taking my son, I took him to school on the way back. The school bus is coming to pick up a, another different grade level and driving through our neighborhood, seeing all these kids out there. I'm like, I've never seen these kids outside at all. You know, that where are these kids coming from? Well, it's a different generation. They're like I'm, I grew up, you're outside playing all day and doing whatever. Nowadays, the kids aren't. They're inside doing whatever, you know, it's just a different generation. So it, it's trying to find those kids that are want to be out there, want to be outside learning and, and doing things. It's, you know, what you said, looking at plumbing industry. I always told people too, is concrete people. Those guys are outside all the day. They, they're bust their butt shoveling and pushing wheelbarrows. So that's a great industry also to kind of reach out to to see if anybody's looking, if you definitely need a labor. So I think you're definitely on the right track. It's just putting out there and getting seen by more people. I think something else that I've tried to do, and 
Listen, I, I fell every day. Like I'm humbled to be on this podcast, but you know, I feel out of place too. I think to be an owner of a company or a leader in the company, you have to have a servant's heart, you know, changing my mindset. And I used to be the jerk. Like I was the guy posting on Instagram that we were working at midnight laying sod. And I thought, you know, look how cool I am. And I just had this wrong mindset of I had people serving me and that was the expectation and it didn't work. I lost crew after crew after crew. And so I do my best and I I fell at this, but I serve my employees. I work for them and I try to approach every day that I work for these guys. How can I make these guys day better? What can I do to improve their livelihood? And I think that that change of mind and change of heart has helped a ton. Now, I don't get it right, but you know, that's my attempt to just try to improve what goes on around here. Well, yeah, that that's exactly right. And it's just always, what can I do better every single day? And as long as you're improving, that that's all you can say. You know, if you look back from where you were a couple of years ago, it's you're probably a little bit different person. So as long as you're improving, kudos to you. So I'd like to chat a little bit more about the uh, TNLA. So I know you're an active member in there. You mind explaining, you know, what's your involvement in the TNLA and, and kind of how you got into that? So a couple of years ago, I was looking for um, kind of certifications to improve who we were and what we're doing. So I looked into the TNLA for certifications, called our regional director, which is down in Lubbock, and that's the Berries. They own a landscape and irrigation company. Chatted with them a little bit, and I, I just asked, how can I get more involved. We don't have anything like that in Amarillo, you know, uh, associations or anything. So went down to a board meeting that they invited me to. And I'm like, this is great. You know, I, I would love to help. I would love to try to get more folks uh, involved in Amarillo. So they allowed me to be on the board. Right when all that happened, TNLA brought on irrigation. So they didn't have irrigation prior to that, that division. So I became the irrigation director and it really hadn't been filled yet. So our state irrigation director from Dallas, amazing guy. So we've just been trying to figure out, you know, what's our role as irrigation directors to help the community. And so I started a Facebook page for the TNLA Region 6 because we're 97 counties. I mean, from the top of Texas all the way to El Paso, down to the heart in San Angelo, over to Vernon. So I'm not going to get to get in front of all these guys, but I, I'm trying to figure out a way to have constant communication. I want to be a person they can reach out to, and I just want to improve our industry. And I think for sure, Texas, South Texas, and probably a lot of states, you know, irrigation's getting hit. And if irrigation gets hit by drought and water restrictions, then landscape gets hit. And so that's really a fear of mine currently is South Texas is in a drought. They've cut irrigation off, and that's fine. I get it. We got to have drinking water. I'm not fighting that, but we got to make sure that these restrictions don't become permanent. And when we get our water tables up, you know, we can get irrigation back going. We need to have water infrastructure. So that's something that we're fighting through the TNLA is we have 1,100 new residents coming to Texas every day. And so we have to invest in infrastructure for water and water distribution. So we have a town up here, Wolferth, they cut irrigation off for almost a year. And it seemed like the heart of its water distribution. So it's a problem here in Texas. And I assume it's a problem elsewhere too. So I know you've been pretty active and you went, did you go to Washington? I think you went to the state capitol yep. and everything too, right? Yep. So went to the state capitol and a lot of that we're pushing H2B program, H2A. So that's your growers and stuff fall under H2A to bring in immigrants. And then H2B is for your landscapers. We're trying to get the red tape out of that, trying to make it easier. It should not be complex. And it's, you know, going to D.C., I found out it's, it's very political, you know, and it's not about getting staff into these companies' hands that we can continue to make a living and improve the world around us. And it's Republican versus Democrat. And so that was pretty frustrating portion of seeing that. And just when you go down, it's probably for any anything you're going, you're going down thinking that you're going to make an improvement and that you're suggesting improvements. And then you have this political barrier 
of like, I don't care if it's a Republican or Democrat on this. We just need to improve the H2B program. So how are we going to do it? Oh, we can't really sign on to that. I'm like, so <laughs> it's new to me. That was my first time to go to D.C. for the industry. But it was interesting. The young people run the state and the Capitol, like the senators and congressmen are just talking heads. It seems like the young people that 20, mid-20s to early 30s, those are the people running the country. It was so cool to see the staff, you know, chiefs of staff, and they're all young folks, and they're they're amazing. Like, they're on a different level. I think. It's the first time I've ever been around, like, Ivy League people, I think, and uh-huh. they're just, they're not human. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> it's so wild. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, thank you for uh, going there and representing the industry. That's that's amazing. Are there any other trends that you're seeing, you know, through the TNLA that, uh, or landscaping industry that our industry should be kind of aware of and be conscious of? Yeah. So, you know, I, a lot of this stuff is political because that's what we went and did through the state and everything. So one of the things that we fought down at the state level is Dallas came out and said, you know, this year coming up, if you're a homeowner or a small business, you're going to no longer be allowed to use gas-powered equipment. And then the next year is medium size. And then the last year's everybody, large size. And we had manufacturers, people trying to push into that industry going, hey, it's not there yet. It sounds great. It's going to be great someday, but you cannot mandate this. So we went out there. We got a, a law passed that no municipality in Texas can push that. I think the industry is going there. I, I'm fine with it, but to force, you know, large companies, it would it would have been catastrophic. I think for a lot of folks. Yeah, definitely would hurt the small business person just trying to afford the setups and and the new equipment. That would devastate a lot of families. Right. So then, you know, it, it came into what if you're in two different counties? So this is Dallas County. Well, what if you're partially, you know, so trying to capture and make that work? It just didn't make sense. Yeah. So we're fighting a lot of that stuff. That's awesome. Is there anything else out there? Uh, yeah. See, so H2B, the gas powered, we have citrus growers are having problems down in, in South Texas. And this is out of my wheelhouse, but I got to spend a day with these guys. There's a disease down there and they're trying to keep it captured. But, you know, like anything, there's a lot of government overreach. These folks are having to sign away all their personal information when they're buying a citrus tree to make sure it's not going into these restricted areas. And I might not have this perfect, but just trying to make sure that it makes sense for the industry and that we're not hurting the growers and the consumers and that we're not impeding on people's privacy and just tagging trees and stuff. They're, they're getting pretty wild down there in the South right now. We're just trying to keep that wrangled in that we're not going to hurt the industry by that kind of stuff. So if anybody out there is listening and wants to join the TNLA, how, how can they go about doing that? Yep. So they can go to TNLA.org. Super easy. And I suggest it. And our big thing is the expo that happens in August. We've done, back when it was GIE, we've done all those events. They're all great. But when you get to your local, and I would suggest this for any state, whatever state you're in, get your local association. They all have expos. It was awesome to, to see the folks in our region talking our plants. And then, you know, you had manufacturers there for equipment, new equipment, stuff that, you know, you hadn't seen yet. And then you had the like the guy that invented something cool that you're not going to see at Site One or Ewing or those kind of places that had his cool shovel there. And we were able to purchase. So we enjoy that. And then the day before, they have a ton of CEU events. So getting your crew up there and going through CEU events. And we use it through our business as an employee benefit. So if you're a licensed irrigator with us, you're gonna go to San Antonio, which is a big deal. I mean, it costs our company $7,000 to take them down there for the week. But we want our employees to see that this is an industry of professionals and that you're not just a, a mo boy. So that's a great opportunity for my guys to go, there's longevity here. I have a home here. And so I think that's the, probably the top secret best thing about the association is being able to show your staff like, wow, there's people are really making, you know, I don't know. It's, I always say there's, there's more to education than college, their skilled trades and being able to go to the association and seeing that I think speaks to the crews. 
Oh yeah, definitely. Like even just, I can relate to that with our team going out to even just like the pandemonium the for Aquascape and just going to different associations and different things, getting to open up and see there's a huge industry here. And most of them are just kind of just stuck in like our small town here and just seeing what they see around here. But when you take them downstate or, you know, wherever to the GIE, opening their eyes, it's like, holy cow. Yeah. And it's, I think that's, a, that's an awesome point there. Yeah, yeah. I love pandemonium. Like you said, it's another place that I think that most people come to work as this is a stepping stone. And that's one of the things we really have to overcome is this is more than a stepping stone. This this really, I know that I'm not the only one. I want to take care of my staff. I want them to have medical. I want them to be here for 50 years. And I know that's not the norm anymore, you know? Yeah. And so how do you achieve that? Or or at least, you know, the I think the average is five years. How do you push that average? Like, I want to push it. Yeah. I want to have all the big dreams. And I expect my employees to have those same dreams. I, I want them to dream about having a boat or purchasing a home or going on a vacation. Like, I expect them to be able to dream the same way that I dream. That's amazing. That's the right mindset you have to have. And do you mind me asking, do you share that with your, your team members? Let them know that that's what your goal is for them? Man, I, you know, I've probably said it, but I don't harp it. You know, I've, I've maybe have said it once or twice, but there's also a fear of being totally open to your staff too. Cause I, you know, I'm not saying that this is right, but there's a fear that they know that they have you over the barrel and then if you get too intimate with them and I don't know, that's a line and I'm not saying I'm doing this right. It's just my fear of keeping that professionalism. And so I don't even know if that's right, but I think I have a fear of talking to my staff about some of that stuff. See, I, I would kind of, I would think the opposite. I think we should kind of be open and letting them know more stuff. And just for me attending more conferences and doing stuff on our end of the business side of things, one of the things that a lot of companies are suggesting doing is, is sitting down with your team members kind of early on when you have them uh, or bring them on, finding out what their dreams are, what their goals are. You know, it might just be they need to get their first house. They need to buy a new car or whatever and trying to work with them to try to figure out how you can help them. You know, you're not going to obviously give them money or anything like that. But what can you do in letting them know that, hey, we can do a you know a pay raise if you do this or get this certification or whatever it is and trying to make them aware of that. And to me, that just shows that you you know you're a human you're you have a heart and you care about them and that to me that goes a long way and i i understand the vulnerability there but i i feel being a little more open with your employees seems to be to me it's always worked out very well yeah and i think i'm open i'm just i don't even know how to explain because i know their dreams and desires and like i'm open on our books like they know our profitability like i'm willing to open bank accounts or anything like that so there's just something about you know, I don't know. I don't know, but <laughs> we'll work past that. Yeah. I think it's just scary when you, and maybe it's nothing to do with work and like man to man. I think there's sometimes it's scary to be vulnerable to another man, you know, and, and be soft and be sensitive. And so maybe there's some pride built into that, that that's not good. I'm not saying it's good, but just trying to identify how to grow in that, you know, maybe it's a little bit of, of a masculine man thing that, you know, you kind of want to come in here and beat your chest and not, yeah. not have a heart. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I get that. I get that. And I think, I don't know, you know, with you being in the Navy and um, I'm on the fire department, you get that kind of the macho-ness, I guess. And yeah, getting past that sometimes can be a little difficult. <laughs> Definitely. So early on in your business, you experienced a bunch of, you know, up and downs, I'm sure. And I know we covered a little bit of here today. But what were some of your your biggest challenges you faced early on? And, you know, what did you do to get past those and overcome them? Man, it was just all challenges. It was all downs. Before I was educated <laughs> in business and like, I'm very open and harsh sometimes. So this would come off more harsh than it should. But I've had people ask like, you know, why would you go uh, into business for yourself? Or would you tell somebody to go into business for yourself? Or what does it take? And I'm like, you got to be dumb. It has an 80% or 80 plus percent fail rate that you're going to fail in the first five years. And then after like five years to 10 years, it's another 80% of those people that's made it past five years are going to fail. And I mean, so failure in a business is probably the loss of your assets, financial security in your marriage. There's so many negatives that are you go up against to do this. And so first is wrapping your head around that and having that conversation with your family of this is where I want to go. It's going to be late nights. 
It's going to be early mornings. It's going to be tears. It's going to be failure after failure after failure. And I'm sure there's some people that jump into this and explode and that's so awesome. But I would, I would say that isn't normal. And so, you know, the first thing was probably getting pricing down, which didn't come for five or six years. I think so my pricing didn't get good until I took your class. We were throwing the spaghetti on the wall, seeing if it stuck, which is embarrassing. Now, there, there's so many embarrassing things that I did through business on being so uneducated on such a life altering decision for my children and for my wife. So I, I think going through a coaching deal like you and, and you know, that I've gone through coaching through E-Myth, you have to do those things. You have to invest in yourself. Because it's more than you on the line. It's, I mean, it's literally your marriage on the line. It's your family's on the line. It's so vital. So I didn't have my numbers right. I was working by myself for the first few years. So I hit that ceiling. I think my ceiling by myself was 150,000 bucks. I did that for like two years, doing irrigation repair, charging 75 bucks an hour, not charging enough for my part and just hitting that wall, hitting that wall, hitting that wall going. I'm going to starve to death through the winter, you know, <laughs> and then probably a negative still for me is equipment. Like I'm an equipment nut. So trying to keep a focus on overhead and I have a brand new front end loader right now in my shop that sits in my shop that doesn't move. And I'm like, you idiot. I just come in here and bang my head <laughs> against the wall. Like, cause I'm not selling it. It has 50 hours on it. Like, uh, so I still make really dumb mistakes, but getting that through E-Myth, through the coaching on E-Myth, we read the book. And it's 1600 bucks a month, or it was when we did it. It is when you're broke and you're losing every day to go, I'm going to invest $1,600 into myself is extremely difficult, <laughs> yeah. right? It, it doesn't make sense. It's hard to put that to the bottom line. Like, hey, I'm already starving to death. Let me cut a $1,600 <laughs> check to talk about me to a coach. Yeah. But that personal growth, I felt like E-Myth for me was very personal. I mean, we cried. My wife sat with me. We would cry with our coach, literally cry. And just finding out who we were, our values, getting that down on paper. The big thing that was super hard there was our primary aim. And so I'm sure it's called a million different things, but for, for them, it was primary aim. And it's about, they say that your primary aim is from like when you're three or four years old and it never changes again, ever. And so knowing your primary aim is how you're going to spend your time, the direction of your business. And as long as you're going with your primary aim, everything goes a little bit smoother when you're not fighting against yourself. And so Emeth was huge for that, that personal growth. You know, one of the things we did in there that made me cry was we had to write our eulogy now, like if I died today, and then what, what do you want it to, to sound like in 10 years? That was tough. That was, it, it really put in perspective of time and, you know, time isn't guaranteed and that I haven't done what I needed to do yet. So that that was really tough. And then I finally, after eight or nine months, uh, we were going into winter again. And my wife's like, hey, this 1600 bucks is killer. Like, let's find something else that maybe is a little cheaper. So then that's when we found you. And so I, I knew I needed a coach. Coaching made sense. And if you don't have a coach now or if you're not in a coaching program now, like, I know I'm getting off topic. That's all right. There's a few things like you're goofy if you don't have in business. And that's a CRM, a coach, and SOPs, standard operating procedures. You do those three things, it'll take you to a different level. Now, I'm yeah. not saying that's the end all, but so getting who we were on paper was great for my staff. Learning who we were was great for us. And then we moved into your coaching and being able to, first up. And I want to say this to the audience. If you're not in million dollar landscaper, like the information you give through the spreadsheets, contracts, your personal time, like I've called you almost in tears before. Like we didn't schedule that call. I just called your cell phone like Scott, like I'm in a, in a pinch. And you were like, dude, don't worry about it. Let's just talk. And you were there for me when it sucked. And that was this year. Like this year has been highs and lows. Yeah. But I went through your program and I know it's changed a little bit since I went through it. But I downloaded everything. I downloaded every mow contract and we don't mow. But I wanted that information to to bounce off what we were doing. Because, you know, a lot of this stuff really worked. could work over 
anything you were doing. So crazy stuff. Like we battled in new build construction. How do you get these clients to take care of their own sod? Like I'm not there anymore. Take care of your own yard. Well, you have a contract for that. You know, I was fighting builders on, I barely made any money on that tree. I'm not going to warranty that tree. (laughs) You have a contract for that. You know, I know exactly to the penny what my employees cost. And that's their paid time off. That's their uniforms. That's their taxes and all that. I know that to the penny because of going through your course. Equipment, I know what it costs to do the oil changes, change the tires, and I know where I need to be per hour on every truck, every piece of equipment. And having that confidence going into an estimate with a client, and I've ran your spreadsheet, I know what my profit margin is, I can put a little buffer in, gives me some wiggle room, and I have all this data, and then I go to a client, and they want to beat me up a little bit, I'm not going, well, I probably could uh, I could probably do $1,000 less. Well, no, I know that if I do this, I'm taking myself to 12%, not 15%, and am I okay with that? Is there any opportunity cost that I can put a yard sign in this guy's yard and try to make some of that up. And just having that info and data changed my world. So I've talked about this with you. You know, we were, I was the guy that would go to my CPA at the end of the year and he's like, good job. You've made 11%, you know, on your profits. And I'm like, well, where's that at? You know, (laughs) well, it's really not here. You've spent it, whatever. And like, I hated going to my CPA at the end of the year. Hey, that's the only time I talked about finances. So there was no way of fixing anything. And then he would extend to September. So now I'm two years behind on my finances. <laughs> and come to find out, I really, he said I made 11%, but it's not in the bank. So knowing what my net profits were, so I, I would call my net profits were zero at that time. I was, I'd gotten to a point I could pay myself 40,000 bucks, but the business didn't have any money. To now going through your program and listening to this podcast, I, I got on Cycle CPA started working with them. So now I was at least only a quarter behind. So I went from two years behind on making changes in my business to a quarter behind. And they're sending those finances every month. So I could really do better than that. But they're meeting with me and we're walking line by line and getting the KPIs. So like the KPIs are are measuring me against other landscapers or irrigators and going, man, you're really sucking at that. And now I can go, okay, I know I'm overspending on product. Why am I overspending on product? Well, I do a lot of bulk purchases and those things. So I can dig into each line item. And so in August was my first month that I crossed that 15% net profit. And that's 100% a real net profit. Like I'm paying myself, my guys are paid, and I'm finally making it after 10 years. And I'm not saying that because I'm proud of that. It's embarrassing that it took 10 years, right? It shouldn't take 10 years, but it did. It did for me. And I couldn't have done that without Million Dollar Landscaper. There's just no way. So I'm super thankful for that. Well, thank you for for saying that. I definitely appreciate that. And thank you for all all the kind words. Um, But let me back up here real quick. When do you think it was or what was it that made you say, I need to change something? What what was it? What was that deciding factor? You know, I know you got an e-myth. What was that deciding factor? Like, I need to get a coaching. I need to change what I'm doing. I I was failing my family in like, I don't know how you look at your kids and look at your wife and just fail every day. And I was and not go. Something's got to give. You know, I think you just have to humble yourself to go, you know, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. And either you fail or you suck it up and go, hey, I suck at this and that's OK. I can improve this. I can get coached on this. I don't have to know everything. And I was tired of going home. And essentially, my wife supported me and she makes way more money than I do. So I don't have a problem with that. But like I wasn't bringing anything to the table for years. And I'm like, dude, what does she think of me? Like, you know, I'm a Christian guy. So I think, you know, the husband's supposed to be the head of the household and the leader and all those things. And I'm, you know, finances is the biggest stress on a marriage. So we had lost our son. So that was super hard on us. Then you throw the finances on top of that. And I I just knew that life can be better. Like I said, I grew up with an entrepreneurial family and I watched my parents 
drag their business across the finish line every day, just hard work. That's what did it. And I knew that I didn't want to do that. I knew that I didn't want to be out in the field every day. I wanted it to be more than a paycheck. And so I think that longing of being good and not failing and being able to look at my wife and kids and why do this and why beat yourself up and why work 14 hours a day if you're not going to be successful. And so, yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. It's hard for us to say that, like, yeah, I need help. You know, but if you really look at it and I, I know I talked about this before, like no matter what, whatever you're looking at, if it's putting in a water feature, putting in irrigation, we all sucked at it at one point. We didn't know anything about it and we just got better at it. And same thing with like the business side of things and understanding your numbers. Most of us don't come from that background of having a business degree or understanding any of the numbers. It's just a skill you have to learn and it, it can all, it's all learnable, but reaching out and trying to figure out how to learn it. You know, like you went to Pondemonium and Aquascape to learn how to do the water features. I'm sure, you know, I may had an idea, but you reached out. It's the same thing here. So I, I applaud you for stepping out of your comfort zone and improving yourself. That's, that's the only way you can get better. So congratulations on that. I wish I would have done it, you know, when I still had a nine to five job, like I'm disappointed it took me as long as it did. I just Pondemonium. Okay. Going through Greg's deal and going through the CAC, the Academy and all that. Why would you not do something like that? And I'm talking about this for any industry, but Greg specifically, I think they have an amazing training program. Why go beat yourself against the wall and do things wrong and have warranty work and take twice as long on a job or go spend, you know, let's just, I don't know, $2,000 to go through his class and come back and have all of those things alleviated on just those failures. You, I mean, I think you can eliminate it's you can make $2,000 on the first job. Right. And so the coaching and the training and stuff, it's something I'll always invest in. I don't want to go practice on the customer's yard. Yeah. I would rather spend a few thousand bucks. Uh, in November, I'm going to Illy, which is the International Landscape Lighting Institute, their intensive course. And so that's expensive. It's like $6,000 by the time you're done with it or more six or $7,000 but it's a week with the best landscape lighting guys on the planet. And like, I think I can make that up in a couple of jobs and I'm going to be so much better. So I wholeheartedly believe that we all need coaching. I don't care how good you are. Coaching is good. Coaching is a good thing. You know, it's, it's like therapy. It's my therapy. You know, (laughs) I feel like we have a very personal relationship. Well, like, you look at any professional sports player out there, they, they all have coaches. They're all looking to get better. So no matter what level you're at in your business and where, what skill you're trying to learn, there's always a coach out there. You just have to reach out and try to find them and bring them in. And, you know, look at the time that you're saving trying to, if you try to watch not, nothing against what you did, but you, you know, you went on YouTube. How much time did you spend on YouTube trying to learn it? And it only maybe got you to this level. But if you have a coach that's already been there, done it and has the stuff in there, it's going to expedite that process that much more. So to me, it, it's no brainer. Like what y'all offer too on the, I think, what is it, twice a month or so that we get on these group calls. And I even have Seth is local to me. You know, he's an hour away. So there's all these guys on there that are, I feel like as open as I am, that just want to improve themselves. They have some advice to give. They might've gone through something that you're going through or, or like uh, Carl that I use for my website that came from the, those group calls going, Hey, I've used this guy. It's worked. I mean, that's invaluable that I can go to a website designer that you always hear the horror stories of like, I paid my guy 5,000 bucks and it sucks. Yeah. But through your coaching, now we have this group of folks that's all doing this together and they're at all different levels. And so I don't know how you put a price on those things. So just, Real quick, I, I know you mentioned that you're at 15% net profit. I don't want to let everybody know that's listening out there that the industry average right now is like 2 to 3%. So you getting to that point of, of getting 15% is awesome. Now, correct me wrong, you're trying to even get a bump that up even higher. You're trying to get to 20%, right? Yeah, I think we're in place to do 20%. That August, where I ended in August, I even missed almost a week. We had some of our technicians out, covid so I think we can hit the 20%. And a lot of that is the coaching. I think some of that is not living in your own wallet. It's easy for me to, we just did a $50,000 quote. It's so easy without your spreadsheet going, that's expensive. You know, they'll never go for that. <laughs> Let me back this down to 40000 
Yeah. Well, that wasn't all your profits because you're living out of your paycheck or out of your wallet. Yeah. So those things like that. And that's where the, the spreadsheets key, key, key on that. And then Jobber, that CRM portion I talked about, they've added the job costing. So you have job costing and it's great for big jobs. I wasn't using it for like service calls, which is 80% of my business, but it's super quick now in Jobber. Jobber, I've taken your number that I know what from your spreadsheet, my employees cost and put that into Jobber. So let's say they've been there an hour. Okay. It's 70 bucks. It puts that in and then we do flat rate pricing. So I figure it all up and our parts used and it gives me that net profit for that job. And understanding that I don't want to be 20% on that job, like that doesn't equal 20% at the end of the month. So it's just vital that you know all these numbers and it's a lot. Like I'm no longer in the field and that's improved a bunch because I, I do have the time to, I'm always looking at this stuff. I'm the one, it's easier for me, I think, and probably a little unfair if you're bigger or smaller. If you're in the field, this is hard. If you're big and not doing the invoicing, I'm on every portion of, of like the money side of things. So I'm looking at the numbers, I'm invoicing, I'm seeing those net profits. So when we are negative or 5%, I can stop and go, hey, is there a pricing issue that we need to go up on our price here? Or the ground was hard. Okay. You know, those kind of things I can ask those questions. So I'm probably micromanaging a lot right now, but I hope through our standard processes and stuff that once I take that hat off, that it'll be developed and continue to make sense mm-hmm. in the future. Going through our program, which we call the, it's now a little bit changed, like you mentioned, but it's called the Profits Up Estimating Program, which is essentially, it's the same thing that, that Remington went through. Was there anything in there when you're going through it that like was a big eye opener, like an aha, like, holy crap, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So the fight for me, and I think you have the personal development portion up front and I just went through emails. I didn't do much of that, but the financial portion for me was so key in seeing where, how bad I was missing numbers. And like one thing that's a aha moment on yours is cleanup and travel time at the bottom of my spreadsheet. Right. Mm -hmm. So crew of three, I'm going to have three hours of cleanup. And then it kicks that number out over there and it's 1500 bucks or whatever it is. And you're like, I would have never, ever done that. I would have never had that in my budget and estimate. And so that was the big aha moments for me is like, you can run down that spreadsheet, make sure that you're capturing everything and not missing stuff. And I promise on every estimate before your deal, I was missing that cleanup time, that travel time, those things that, you know, when you're on a notepad, like, running numbers like that's $5,000. I want to make, you know, and I think people understand the markup versus margin is a big miss sometimes. Yeah. So it takes this out of it, you know, and you're able to run down and just not miss anything. Yeah. You mind me asking, you know, how, how difficult was it to implement everything that we had in the Academy? Um, it's time consuming, right? I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like a, an injection of, Hey, you're going to be a good business owner now. But I think you can go through your academy relatively quick. Like if you sat down on Friday, let's say that you have a rainy Friday or a rainy Monday and you just pound it out for three days, I think you can go through it. You can get it downloaded. I'm not saying that you're going to understand everything, but you can get it downloaded. You can get the contracts downloaded. Like you have the highlighted portions where you put your business name. So I was downloading 20 pages of stuff and then I would go through there and put my name and everything in read over it real quick and put it in a folder. And I think it's all about organization. So new build construction, got all my sod contracts, all those things, right? And then building the price sheets on your spreadsheets probably takes a day like to really do spreadsheets well. But I think you can get the data in a weekend. And then I think you start honing in on it, on utilizing it, but you can use the spreadsheet immediately. Like, so if you, and if I butcher this, stop me, but <laughs> you know, I, the, the equipment and the employee spreadsheet, and I don't remember, like the labor cost, is that what that's called? Labor cost yep. um, spreadsheet yep. and then equipment cost spreadsheet. You do those first, right? And that's added yep. that you should be able to get in a, a matter of time, pretty simple on your interest fees and those kind of things on equipment or trucks. And so once you build that, that's kind of the, the foundation of your spreadsheets. And then you can choose the doors, mores, and all that and put those numbers in and then you're rocking and rolling and the first thing you're probably going to realize is crap i'm not charging enough like (laughs) and so if you're in the field maybe a month and i'm talking this is hard work it's not easy but 
I don't think it's a year long process or six month process. I don't think it needs to be a month process if you dedicate your time to it. Yeah, that, we do see people come into our program and they get a little scared when they start seeing the numbers or they, or they go through and they put the stuff in there and then they see what they actually need to be charging and then it scares them away and they're like, oh, I can't charge that. Did you ever come across that mindset of like, I can't charge this? Is that, or was that you knew at that point that you just had to change? Well, so I know I have to change and I, I say that as in the present tense. Here's where it's hard is when you get confident enough in the spreadsheet and you're like, okay, this is what I'm charging. And then you go to a client and get a no, you know, that's where it's hard. And so for me, I've just told myself, like, I don't want to make 3% like the industry. I'm not going to do that to my family. I'm worth more than 3%. I'm worth 15, 20%. I'm worth being successful. My time's worth that. And this is what it's cost. And there's a million guys out here that'll go do it for the price the customer wants. I'm not that guy. We're not that company. Yeah. And so my new little slogan I've heard is see how fast you can get to the no so you can get to the yes quicker. Like, no? Cool. I'm not changing. This is the price. We'd love to do it. We're incredibly professional. All my guys are licensed. We drive new equipment. You're not going to be disappointed, but this is the price. And you don't have to do this. And that is okay. And like, see you later. <laughs> and I'm trying to get to a yes. Like, give me a yes. Yeah. The first couple of times that like when we started doing this in our business, I remember, you know, going to the customer and I think they were a little bit taken back when I said, you know, I'm sorry, I can't go any lower. I think it's kind of a game for them too on their end there. I mean, I get it. I, I understand. I truly get it. Like, yeah, you're trying to get the best deal. But when you say, no, I'm sorry, that's, that's as low as I can go. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, you know, it's to me, it was always a little bit of game after that. And once I realized that and got comfortable in my numbers, I'm like, okay, yeah. All right, we'll move on to the next one. <laughs> well, I think when you don't him haw around, like, well, you know, let me sharp. What do you mean sharpen my pencil? I came here sharp. Here's my number. And if you're confident like that, I think that helps. We hadn't talked about it, but I'm in Ryan Lee's coaching. And one of the things he talks about in getting a discount is add value. So like if we were doing landscape lighting, hey, you know what? The guys coming to do your lighting are also my irrigation technicians. Let me do a $125, 15-point inspection. We'll do it for free when we're done with the lighting. Make sure we didn't cut anything. Make sure all your heads are working great. We'll do that for you. And A, that's an upsell. So I'm going to mm -hmm. raise some heads and stuff while I'm there. The other thing that he suggests too is doing like a year free of maintenance on the lighting. So you just say a year free of maintenance. We're going to come out a couple of times. But in that year, service calls are free. So you got a problem. We'll come out. And so I think this is something he says is, Offer stuff that keeps you up at night, you know? So a one-year maintenance plan that will come anytime you call, like, okay, our installation process better be on point. Our yeah. connections better be perfect because I don't want to come here 10 times. <laughs> and that keeps us up at night, right? So like, I think adding value is more important than lowering your price. That's a very good point of, of having like the year-long maintenance because then you get out there and you're in front of that customer and you find something else that's on the property. You're like, hey, what if we add a light here? You know, this is not good enough water. You can add that in because it wasn't in the initial system. So it's a chance to upsell the customer too. I think that's that's pretty smart. Yeah. And vegetation growth, especially like on a new build, like, hey, we didn't install these with risers because it wasn't needed. But, yeah. you know, we could really improve this by adding risers. So there's always an opportunity to improve that. And I don't think you need to give yourself away yeah. to get a sale. Like, why go do that junk for free? Or paid. That's awesome. I think I've paid a few times. I've paid people to put in their landscape. <laughs> I did see your your post the other day that you went over to help somebody just across the street from a job to fix a riser or something and end up being a big project. And it was like five o'clock. So we're doing this great lighting job. We have our sign out. I am desperately trying to grow lighting. And you know what? We're going to be a good company. So this place across the street, their irrigation was running one day. We saw they had a broke head. Their yard is burned up. So I flag it. And there was a neighbor outside. And I said, hey, if you see your neighbor, I flagged a broke head. We can fix it while we're over here. Have them holler at us or they can call somebody. But just wanted them to know. So we go back to do adjustments like a week later. And it's still my flag still there. You can tell it's still burned up. And so they were home. So I rang the doorbell and I said, hey, I didn't want to dig in your yard without talking to you, but I would love to just fix that head for free. And the whole time it's on the curb. It has to be a riser, right? The five minute fix. And so it's five o'clock. My lead is wore out. He had a hard day. And I'm like, hey, let's change the set out for these great people. You know, I'm, I'm really trying to make an impression. We're on a good block. This is great for lighting. They have great trees. And 
we dig it and it is 24 inches deep on lateral lines and i'm like holy <laughs> smoke and of course it's not the riser it's the t at the bottom because it's hard plumbed in so the t broke so it turned into an hour job and my lead's like now this is the last free one we're doing <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's crazy, but it's, it makes a good story. It's a good social media post, I guess. So <laughs> look what your company could do. Well, Remington, I appreciate you hopping in here, and I appreciate all the kind words. And I love hearing how you you know you're helping to improve the the landscape industry, especially down there in, in Texas. So thank you very much for being here. Is there any last words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the listeners that are out there? Yeah, I just want to reiterate, and I know we talked about like humble yourself to get a coach. You know, there's nothing more valuable. You're not that good that you don't need a coach. Anybody, myself, get that person that you can bounce information off of. I think that's key. And then get your CRM. If you don't have it, get out of 1990, get the CRM. And I I say that rudely, but like, get it. It's good for your clients. It's good for your staff. It's good for your organization. It just simplifies so much. Get the coach. And then standard operating procedures. And I know you go through that on the coaching deal. EMS went through that. Don't get pissed off at your staff when they don't do it the way you want, but it's in your head, you know, and it doesn't matter that you told them 10 times. It's not wrote down, write it down. Yep. And, and so I think those three things are key to business and love on your staff. Our values here is everything is based around love. If you love on my clients, they're going to love us. If you love on my equipment, it's going to last longer. If you love on each other, you're going to be good teammates. You want me to love on you with bonuses and pay, and I want to be loved on, you know, so I can count on you. So that's our main focus here. Everything's your problem. Everything in business is your fault. Get in that mindset. that This is my fault. Why is it my fault? And then doing things to fix it and be committed to fixing it and be committed to your family. And your family does not deserve you working 14, 16 hour days and not bringing home the bacon. Yeah, They deserve more. And here's your chance. Do it. <laughs> well, that, that's amazing. I, I love those, uh, the love on you portion. That, that's awesome. So for those that are listening out there and they need, want to get in touch with you, maybe learn a little bit more about the TNLA or anything, how can they get hold of you? Yeah. So you can reach me at uh, amarellolandservices at gmail.com. My phone number, you can text me is 806-570-3652. You can totally text me. I'm Seth is one of the guys in our in our coaching group, and he's new, and he calls me once a day. And I I'm so appreciative that he's willing to step out and ask for advice. And I call him, so I mean it's a two way street. We just did a bunch of work in his town, and I was on the phone with him every day, going, "Hey, my guys are going over there. Can I count on you?" And he's awesome. So. We have to give back to each other. There's nothing worse than these guys that think they have some secret pill to landscaping or irrigation. If I can put food on somebody else's table and help with that, that's why we're here. That's why we're in this group. And you're not that good. Like, you're not that good that you need to hold secrets so dear to your heart. I don't know. I, I hate that. <laughs> well, I agree. And it, I mean, most of the stuff is already out there somewhere. You just have to find it. So like, it's not necessarily a secret anyhow, at least in my opinion, you know? So yeah, definitely get out there and share, share any information. And uh, thank you for, you know, speaking to Seth. So just as a quick note, Seth yeah, is in, a, in our uh, Million Dollar Landscaper program and he is fresh out of high school and he is trying to gather as much knowledge. So I, I'm very proud of him for just doing that and not trying to figure out on own. And he's trying to expedite it. And it, he's going to go a long way. I can definitely tell that just from his attitude and everything and, that he's been doing. Yeah, I think I think there's another guy, another kid, Ben Kohler, I think is in yep. our group. Yep. Ben is still in high school and yes. he's at an LLC since he was 14. And yeah. I sub him out on jobs. He's amazing. Like, <laughs> I love Ben as well. So seeing these young folks jumping into coaching so quick, they are going to be the leaders of this industry. I'm so thankful that they found you and, you know, their probability of success is probably exponential to yeah. just some guy jumping in to try it out. Yeah, no, Ben is amazing. He's very active, I know, in the, the community and everything portion we have. So very fortunate to have those guys in there. So, yeah. Well, Remington, thank you very much for uh, being open on today's show and, and sharing, you know, some of the hard things you've gone through in, in your life. Thank you again, and, and thank you for being a member of the, the Navy, and thank you for your service. So 
And I appreciate being on the show. Thank you. I'm so thankful for the opportunity. This is so cool. And we'll uh, definitely be seeing you in the next coaching call. So thanks again, Remington. Have a great day. Thank you. See ya. That's a wrap on another exciting episode here of the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Now, thank you for joining us on this journey. And thank you for being a member of our community. Remember our motto, do it dirty means just get started and not be afraid of making mistakes. We honestly believe this is one of the keys to the success in this industry and in life. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, please take a moment, head over to Apple and leave us a review. Your support helps us reach more listeners and bring even more value to the show. Until next time, keep doing it dirty and grow your business to new heights.